If you happened to uh, drive by yesterday on Saturday, there was, you didn't miss it on a special service or anything. There just was a lot going on yesterday. It was kind of a funny morning um, as I was here as well. There was a bunch of us going golfing yesterday. And Oh, by the way, if, if you didn't know this about Tony Binda, he, he can actually golf while sitting on a toilet and actually hit the green. Uh, it was a, a fun drive. He's done it twice in, in a row. I've never seen that done before. I tried it, and uh, I have lost another ball, but that's normal in golfing as well. But there was a group of us here doing that. Uh, Dawn and her granddaughter were here cleaning. The, the praise team was practicing uh, as well. Uh, you may have also seen somebody doing donuts in the parking lot with a lawnmower. Uh, Ralph was learning how to mow, and uh, he, he figured it out, though, and he did a really great job, and I appreciate that, but uh, for a little while there, he was doing circles. Yeah, the zero turns uh, takes a little getting used to, but he did a great job, and uh, so, and it may have been my teaching. Uh, I just say, hey, just get on it and go, Ralph. It, it should work fine. Yes, Ralph? Ralph, I figured you were, you know, of an age where you would know that you got to put gas in it once in a while. <laughs> it had gas in it when I was using it. No. Oh, man. Busted again. But uh, anyways, it was just great to see the body of Christ. And, you know, I am thankful here at Point where there are so many volunteers each and every week that make this happen um, and things that you don't put on your pastor. And so thank you. Thank you for all of you that all you do and all the many hands that, that make each and every week go by and the things that happen here. And so um, I do appreciate that as well. Also, thank you for allowing me and PJ to head back east uh, last week and enjoy PJ's mom's 90th birthday party. So that was a, a treasure and a time, <clears throat> time spent well with her and family and uh, lots of challenges as well, but everything went well, and we had a good time, and thank you for welcoming Dave Griever. He really appreciated being here. Um, don't worry, I'm not picking up the guitar, and I'm not going to sing like Dave does, so you're safe in that regards. Um, I know my limitations, so uh, enough about that. As we get back to where we should be, right? Back into our series in Second Peter, right? Now, it kind of comes as for me, it's a, a kind of a double edge. I mean, one, I love the series of Peter. I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying studying it. But we're at the end of it. This is the end of Second Peter. We're going to do chapter 3 today, and, and, and we're going to close that out. And we'll be starting a new series coming up soon. Um, unless God changes my mind, which that can happen, and I allow that room. I think we're actually going to go into 2 Corinthians. It'll be a couple weeks before we start that, but if you want to start reading ahead and kind of looking, that's where I feel God's leading me next, and so we'll go through that. I don't know, maybe it's just wrapping up all these, you know, I did 1 Corinthians last summer, and I did 1 Peter in February, and maybe now I'm just closing those out by doing the second letters, but hopefully you've seen that they're different, Right? First Peter is not the same as Second Peter. It's, it's different. It has a little bit different emphasis. The time period's different. Same audience, but it has a different focus, right? And if you haven't been with us and you haven't read Second Peter in a while, or you're new here this morning, don't worry. I'm going to catch you up because, again, we've been off for a week as well uh, in that. I know Dave didn't preach in that last week. He told me he wouldn't, but we'll catch you up. But all together we'll be... Uh, together as a group as we're looking at the scriptures this morning. But Peter, how can you not love Peter? I mean, Peter's a fisherman. I mean, right? God uses fishermen. 
Uh, and as many of you know that I like to fish, and it's one of those opportunities I get to spend time on the water, and, and I get to spend time usually with someone else. And uh, this week, Brandon humbled me again in, in fishing on Tuesday. He, he showed me how to catch bass and, uh, and one northern that put him over the top. So, Brandon, good work. This week, someone else will take on that challenge, I'm sure. But how can you not love Peter, right? He's a fisherman, right? But Peter has other attributes, right? He's, he's bold, right? He, he speaks his mind, right? Sometimes he speaks without thinking. I can identify with that. I do that often sometimes. And PJ could tell you all the different times that I get ahead of my brain. And, and she's like, uh, that's not quite right, Charlie. You need to go back and retrace that. But I also love the fact that Peter not only denied Christ, right, and was broken and was discouraged and wanted to go back to, to his old ways, but he was restored, right? He, he came back to, to Jesus, right? And, and I love that part about him. And again, as we've been looking in Second Peter here, Peter's gotten older. It happens. We get older, right? We, we, we grow and we grow in our faith. And Peter now is near the end of his life here as he's writing this second letter, and he's writing it as a pastor who cares about his people. And he wants to, to hey, impart this last wisdom. Peter's going to die soon. And he says, I want his, his legacy wants to go on, right? And he cares about this group of people. But he also cares enough about them to tell them, hey, you know what? You got to be careful, right? And as we looked at in chapter one, right? Salvation is important. Certainly, we don't make light of that, right? Salvation is, is the key. Salvation is where it starts, but then Peter says, hey, that's not enough, right? We have to, after our salvation, we have to keep growing, right? If you were with us in chapter 1, we looked at those seven things, right? Those seven things in, in chapter 1. Let me pull them back up here so that I don't miss any of the seven, right? But he says, make every effort, right? And he says, make every effort. You've been given everything. He said that earlier in that, that chapter, right? You've been given everything you need for life and godliness. And then he says, make every effort to add. Add to your faith, right? Add to your goodness. Add to your knowledge. Add to self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love, right? The Christian walk isn't a, a one and done. It's a continuation. We need to continue on in our walk with the Lord. We need to keep studying. We need to keep growing in our faith. That's part of that sanctification. We call it progressive sanctification, right? It's a progression. We keep working at it. We don't arrive all at once. God keeps doing that work within us. Then we also looked at the reason, right? The reason we have to keep growing is because otherwise we become ineffective or unproductive, right? And we also said, you know, if you do that in a job, right? If you're, you're ineffective and unproductive, you don't last in that job very long, right? You, you get fired. You should, right? And again, I'm not saying that happens in our Christian walk, but again, we want to be productive, Right? We want to be effective in our walk, and especially when we witness to others. And that lays the groundwork for what comes next, right? In chapter 2 and the end of chapter 1, in chapter 2, he spent a lot of time about talking about false teachers and the importance of recognizing false teachers and what's out there. And uh, Peter said, right, you know, go study all the other different religions, Right? It's not a rhetorical question. For you that have been here normally, that's not a rhetorical question, right? Do we study all the other religions? No. It's good to have an understanding of them, but what do we study? Ours, right? We study God's Word, right? 
We use the example of the, the bank tellers, the old illustration. I think every pastor's used it at one time, but you know what? It's a great illustration, so no, no sense letting it go to waste. But the old bank tellers would study what a $50 bill looked like. They would study the original. They wouldn't study all the fakes because there were hundreds of fakes. There's been people making fake $50 bills for a long time. But if you study the original long enough, you can identify the fakes very easily. It's the same thing with God's Word. If you study God's Word and you know it, then you're going to recognize false teaching. Or you should. And so Peter emphasizes that in the beginning of chapter 1 so that you can identify when those false teachers come. He doesn't tell us to fight them false teachers. He says, just know the words that you know and you can recognize it. That was the present threat of the church at that time, early on. And like I said, sadly, that hasn't changed. It's still out there. There are still false teachers today, whether it be prosperity gospel or uh, misguiding, new prophecies, new teachings. There's all sorts of them out there. If you Google it, you'll, you'll have a long list of all the false teachers that are out there. But know the truth. And again, that's our responsibility. We need to stick to what God's Word says. So in a nutshell, again, I've kind of glossed over it. If you haven't read 2 Peter for a while, I encourage you to go back and read through it again. But that gets you up to speed to where we are in chapter 3. Wow. Someone got at me. Everyone's awake now, right? Yeah, no napping. Yeah, I'm awake. But it, he wraps it up into a nice bow. He brings it all back together, and all the teaching comes together. And again, he's parting his last message. He doesn't know that he's going to get a, another chance. This is maybe his last words to this church. And so chapter 3 is kind of that pulling together all that he said, not only in, chap, in 2 Peter, but also in 1 Peter. And so he brings it back together. So you see his pastor's heart here. All right, now we're back to the scriptures, chapter 3, verse 1. Dear friends, this is how, now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as, I, as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Right there, there's a, a couple of things that you can't miss in this verse, in this verse one, right? Dear friends, that, that relationship that he has, right? We've talked about that at other times, right? If you have a relationship with someone, we can speak openly with them. We can tell them, hey, you know what? That's not quite right, right? We can correct them, right? We can tell them, hey, you need to put a full tank of gas in the lawnmower before you hand it off to somebody else, right? <laughs> but we can also talk about those harder matters, right? Those, those areas maybe that they're practicing that, that doesn't line up with Scripture, right? We have a relationship with them. We can correct them. Because we have the relationship, we can talk about those things, Peter's saying the same thing here. I, he has a relationship with them. He can say these hard things to them, and they're not going to get offended. They're going to say, hey, you know what? I need to wrestle with that. Or, hey, maybe I'm not growing in my walk with him. Maybe I'm not adding this area of my life. Maybe I've gotten out of reading the Bible every day, or maybe I'm not praying the way I used to pray. Maybe I need to get back to some of those things, hold each other accountable and, and walk with each other. But I also love what he says here about stimulating you to wholesome thinking, right? Sometimes that's a challenge, right? It's a challenge. Have you ever been in a conversation and someone says something like, huh, it sounds good, but it's not quite right, or it doesn't quite settle right? 
Or maybe it's even a, a good thing, right? Maybe it just stimulates you to a conversation. You know what? I haven't thought about that passage in the Bible in a while. One of the other things that I, I do during the week is I get together with some other pastors here in the community, and it's, we call it our area pastors group, and we do various things together, and we, we just come together, and a lot of times we're talking, but we talk about what we're preaching on. And it's always kind of great just to hear where everybody's at. And so, uh, one of our pastors now is in Daniel. One right now is in a topical series where he's just pulling some scriptures together and doing some themes. And I've been saying I've been in Second Peter and someone else is in another chapter. But sometimes it's good because it stimulates a conversation and it stimulates some, you know what, I need, maybe I need to do some more study on that. Right? Sometimes we spur each other on by our conversations our spiritual conversations as well. And I think that's what Peter has in mind here is to, to, to spur us on to go deeper. You know, I used to, when I, I would be studying sometimes, I don't know if you do this or not, maybe it's just me, but I'd be studying a passage and I have a thought and, oh yeah, that's over in another book of the Bible. And I go over there and all of a sudden I'm there for a while and then I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that brings me to another. And meanwhile, I'm like three chapters in the Bible away from where I was, but I needed to get back to it. But you know what? It was a good path because it stimulated some different thoughts or made me go a little bit deeper in my study. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes, and I'm going to say it, maybe I'm getting older, but it's not always good just to Google everything. It's sometimes good to wander through our handwritten word again. So, like I said, maybe I'm, I'm getting old, but I miss some of those times when I'm just kind of doing a, a quick search on things. All right, back to the scriptures. Verse 2. Says, I want to recall the words, I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. I love here where Peter's tying it together a little bit, right? Peter's pointing back to the old, right? You've got to remember in context, right? Peter doesn't have the New Testament. What is he working off from? He's working off the law and the prophets in the Old Testament. That's what he's got. But yet he says, the apostles here as well, right? He knows that their teaching is part of what God's plan is. It's part of that, that covering of Scripture, that good teaching. And so he's pulling it all together here. He's, he's putting them so that they understand the fullness of it. We sometimes forget about that, right? Because in, in context today, we look back and we have the New and the Old Testament. We have, we have Peter's letter here that we're looking at this morning, but they didn't have all of that. We, we have the benefit of having it all put together for us. We just need to read it and study it and learn it and become part of us. And so he pulls this together nicely here through his apostles, again, identifying those good teachers. Right? I think he uses that word purposely here, right? He doesn't say all teachers because, again, we've been talking about false teachers. So let's be careful who we listen to. And Peter emphasizes that point here. Verse 3, above all, right? Above all, he's getting back to his point here. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. Scoffing and following their own evil desires, they will say, where is this coming? He promised. Oh, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on and on as it has since the beginning of creation. Right? Peter's saying, there's those scoffers, right? There's those false teachers. It's like, well, when's he coming? Right? 
It's kind of an easy one. And again, Peter had no idea that, you know, here 2,000 years later, we're still looking for that coming, right? Peter's talking about the, the, the coming of Christ again, the judgment that's yet to come. And again, there are false teachers out there who said, well, Jesus came once and he's all done, and this, this is our heaven now, and certainly that's false. That's not true. Praise God, it's not true. But again, there's teachers that would teach that, and they say, well, look, your, your Christ hasn't come. That, that judgment wasn't literal. He doesn't mean that, right? There's all sorts of false teaching that's come out of this, and Peter's refuting that. He's reminding them, hey, those scoffers, they're not right. Jesus is coming back again. <clears throat> he goes on to say in verse 5, he says, But they deliberately forget that long ago by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of the water and by the water. By these waters also the world of the time were deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Again, Peter's referencing back to that Old Testament, right? And he's, he's going all the way back to creation, right? God spoke and it happened, right? The earth was formed. That's why creation is so in, important and it's part of our biblical belief, right? If we, we try to use the current science trends and all that, it doesn't even make sense logically to me, but people out there that believe that, but God spoke creation into existence. And Peter's just pointing back to that. Hey, that took, a, took some time, right? There's time from where Peter is at now till the time of creation. There was thousands of years before that, right? Creation happened. Also, he hearkens in here the, the, the reference to Noah, right? The flood. That's why that's so important, is, right? It's a, it's a biblical understanding, right? God spoke, and the waters came, and they rose, flooded, and then they also decreased, and dry land was formed. Noah's story is really an important part. We sometimes forget that even as adults, right? We teach it, we remember it in Sunday school, or at least I remember being taught in Sunday school, and we used to sing songs about it, and we, that would be an emphasis, and, but that's an important marker in the life and history of God, right? And the history of us. And so it's that reminder, right? That was a, a judgment on that day. So just like these scoffers say that, that judgment's not coming, Peter's saying, hey, God's always done that before, right? He said he was going to do it. He did it. His promises are true. Again, he's just refuting what's being taught during the day. And he said there is going to be that judgment here on earth for the righteous and unrighteous. Verse 8, is kind of a key verse here to this passage. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Right? Time is for us. Time is not for God. God is timeless. And so he, as he's reminded here, he's like, don't get caught up in the numbers or the days or the fact that it's not happening right now. But in God's economy, it's not that important. Right? His timing is always perfect. I also look at that passage and I say, praise God, right? Praise God that God has tarried, right? And his judgment hasn't come yet. I have unbelieving family members. I have people that I love that aren't saved yet. <clears throat> this gives me more time with them, maybe to come and see that. It gives us time, right? 
to share the gospel. It gives us time for those who are not saved, those that we are praying for. So I say praise God that he hasn't quite come yet. Some days I wish it was yesterday, to be honest. But not yet, so we have time. Interestingly here, and I, I didn't, oh, I'll, I'll bring it up a little bit later, but you know, this is part of that end times we don't often think about, but we need to. And again, it should spur us on in our walk with Christ to share with those, not to, to wait, not to wait too long. Right? We'll see it here in the upcoming passage. I'm getting ahead of myself. I said that Peter does that. I can do the same. Verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Oh, man, so gracious and great that God's been patient, right? And we often say we don't get what we deserve, right? He's patient with us. He's understanding. He has a time coming when he calls it to, to, judge, to, to judgment, right? He brings it to light. But he's patient, just one of the many attributes of God, right? But yeah, he's not only that, he's patient with those who aren't saved yet. And every day that we get is another opportunity for that person. Every chance that we share that gospel with someone, it's an opportunity for them to accept it. I recently taught an evangelism class out at Camp Jim, and I love teaching young people that. It's, it's, it's one, of my, one of my joys to, to be able to do that, and just the excitement and the, the eager minds, especially the, the, the younger generations. And as we were going through that part, um, I referenced an old Barnum study that says that the average Christian has heard the gospel at least seven times before they came to Christ, Right? So if you just do it from a logical standpoint, if it takes seven times for someone to hear it and then they actually get saved, does it matter if you're number one or number seven or somewhere in between? No, right? Some of you, some of you, got, it, some of you got it, right? Hopefully I explained the math right, right? It, anywhere in between there, right? If, if I happen to be number two and someone else is number three, number four and seven and that person... It doesn't matter who the seventh person is because it took six others to get to that point. My point was that we need to share it irregardless, right? Don't worry about the results, right? The results are upon them and their heart and the relationship with Jesus, but we are responsible to share it, right? So, because at the heart of Christ here, he wants all to come. He wants all to come to him. He wants all to be saved. Verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with, disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the, earth, and, and the earth and everything done will be laid bare. All right? There is a point coming where that's it. There is an end to this. There is a promise of that, that when there, there is going to be a judgment day. Right? It's not going to go on and on forever. There will be an end. Again, as believers, that should spur us on. That should encourage us to be more diligent in sharing our faith. It also should spur us on to be more diligent in the things that Peter said, to, to keep adding, right? To go back to chapter 1, adding to those things, to be growing as a believer. 
We don't get to settle. We don't get to recline. We don't get to say, you know what? I already did that. I'm all set. Check it off the list. No, the walk and the, the faith needs to continue. We need to continue to strive, right? To make every effort. You'll see that again and again throughout this. Verse 11. It says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you, people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. As you look forward to the day of God's speed, God and his speed that is coming. That day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. I read that and I see hope, right? It's not, oh no, there's that day coming, but there's hope. There's hope for the future, right? There's a, a new heaven and a new earth, right? This world is not all there is. We have a place set aside for us. There's great hope in that. There's great hope in what's set to come. Some people have said that a believer should always keep one eye on their current situation and one eye towards heaven, right? That's where we're going. That's our place. That's our destiny. Kind of helps us keep that perspective on what our lives as believers should be. There's hope in that, great hope in that. Verse 14, so then, dear friends, you notice he keeps saying that, right? Dear friends, right? He, I think somebody's Peter's just checking in with him, right? Hey, dear friends, or hey, hey, are, are we okay? Are, are you still with me? Hey, dear friends, are, are, are you you're following my train of thought here? Right? It's good as a communicator to do that once in a while, that, hey, are, are we still on the same page? And I think that's what he's doing here. He's just checking in with him. So, so then, dear friends, Since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless and blameless and at peace with him. Again, Peter's not adding anything here, but he's just kind of rounding that out, right? If if you're doing these things and you're you're striving and you're growing, right, there'll be a certain amount of peace, right? That peace comes from that relationship with Jesus, that relationship that, hey, we're okay. I'm in a good spot with you right now. And again, it's not, a, it's not tenuous, it's, it's a, a peace that comes. Like, things are good. It's okay for the believer to be good with Jesus, right? To be in that relationship there where things are good at the moment. I know some believers that sometimes get in that spot where they, they feel uncomfortable, like, oh man, things are going well right now, and my relationship is, is deep, and I'm, maybe some join that fellowship, and I'm, I'm, is something bad going to happen? Or, or, or maybe something I'm missing, Right? No, there, there are those times in our walk with Jesus that we're, we're at peace, we're in that good spot, we're in that sweet spot of where we're supposed to be, and we're walking in step. Verse 15, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom that God gave him. I love the fact that here, Peter interjects Paul into this, right? Think about Peter and Paul's relationship, right? If you've read Acts 15, right, they, they had a kind of a, a tough, tough go around, right? Paul called out Peter. Paul kind of laid the lumber to him. 
Paul, you know, hey, hey, you're, you're not walking the walk, right? But that's what good brothers do, right? They, they let each other know, hey, you know what? That's not right. So I love the fact that Peter references Paul in this and re- reminds us of here that, hey, Paul's one of us. Paul's one of those apostles. He said you can jump into that. There's a whole, whole that relationship, that, that tension, right? Peter focuses primarily on the Jews and Paul the Gentiles and that, that, the tension that happened in Acts 15. James was refereeing somewhere in the background, if you want to put it in today, right? There was a, a match going on. But Paul called out Peter, and Peter received it and said, you know what, Paul's right. And later on, he reaffirms that relationship. Remember, they're all, they're all circling about in the same time. They're all going through similar things. And Peter's not saying, hey, that my writing is greater than Paul. In fact, he gives Paul here credit that Paul's writing has great wisdom. And if you know, most of our New Testament is Paul's writing. So this is important, right? The, the confirmation between the apostles and what they're speaking and what they're teaching. Verse 16, he says, he writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. Right? He's saying, hey, Peter, Peter's saying, I'm not the only one that has this same challenge, right? Paul's, Paul's got false teachers out there trying to dispute what he's saying as well. And not only Paul's scriptures, but the Old Testament. Again, false teachers were rampant. Then, and sadly now, they're still there. So again, the, the pulling together here is, 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 is great to see in the scriptures. And again, they confirms each other's teaching. Really is what he's doing here between the two. I think Peter here is also saying, you know what, Paul's probably a little ahead of me. Sometimes Paul uses, and again, this is some Charlie leeway here, but Paul's probably a little bit smarter than I am. He's using some bigger words. I'm I'm having a hard time as a fisherman understanding all of it, but but guess what? It's still scriptures, and I still affirm what he's saying. They're not easy to understand. I have that problem with sometimes I listen to teachers. I don't know about you, but I, I have to get a dictionary. I'm constantly trying to figure out what word that means. I don't, I don't know. That's not a word I use or even think of. Always looking back. Sometimes I check with PJ or I'll even check with my son. He's got a little more teaching than I do even. So it's humbling, but it's good to know what's being taught. That being said, verse 17, it says, Therefore, dear friends, again checking in, since you have been forewarned, be on your guard, so that you may not be carried away by error of the lawless and fall from your secure position. All right? Hey, dear friends, hey, you're with me? We've been walking this walk together. We've been going through this section. He says, hey, now that you've been warned, now you're responsible. Right? Now you're responsible to be on your guard. You've got to be, be running everything back through. I like to say that we run things through a screen, right? We should screen everything through our Bible, right? We hear something, we need to go back through and look through. Do scriptures say that? And not just one verse, not just one little saying, but hey, in context, does it really say that? Right? Run it through that screen. What does the Bible say? Sift it out. And if it's wrong or it's error, we throw it out, right? It's no good. It's not... It's not what God's teaching. That's not what he's, he means. That's not what he says. 
So I think Peter's warning him, all right? Be on your guard. It's out there. The area of the law. Be secure in your position, right? Know what you know. And again, if you don't know something, that's okay. Study it, right? Grow on that knowledge. Go deeper. Go to somebody that you trust. Read it for yourself. Study it yourself. Study it out. Spend that time. Verse 18, uh, the, the balance here. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Kind of closes it out here with a benediction as he wraps up this letter. But he says, but grow in the grace. Right? And again, in all that teaching and studying, we have to be careful, right? We have to, to it's kind of a, a guard. I call it a guard against us that um, if we have studied something or we're excited about something that we don't overpower someone with it, right? We have to season it with grace, right? Understanding that not everyone's at the same spot. I often tease because PJ will be teaching through the book of the Bible and, you know, she's done Romans and she's done Philippians and, and, and I tease her that, you know, everything runs through Romans and I remind her, I'm not in Romans, I'm in, I'm in First Peter or I'm in Second Peter, I'm in another book of the Bible, I'm not on the same page, I'm not there with you yet. So I haven't studied that out yet and so it spurs me on to go look at it, it stimulates me to think that way and to, to get in, inside of where she's been learning, but I, I'm not there yet, I've I can't shift that gear that quickly. So there has to be some grace there, the understanding. I also remember when I get back from Bible school, I thought I knew it all. You know, I'm, I'm all set. I've got all this knowledge, and I'd be sitting there taking notes. The pastor would be preaching, and I'm like, nah, I'm not sure about that. Mm, no, you know, I wouldn't put it that way, and being very critical, right? But it's a reminder to, to, to give grace. Or maybe you're working with a new believer or someone who just came to faith. Guess what? There, it's going to take some time. Give them some grace. Certainly speak truth to them and help them, but be graceful in that, right? Don't beat them over the head with that knowledge. So, folks, we've gone through Second Peter. You did it. We did it together. Amen. Amen. My, wife, my wife's over there. She's, she's, she's happy. I think she's, she might be happy. I'm finally done with it. I'm taking my time. Yeah, not, not bad. That's good. It's not easy having your wife in your sermons, believe me. Uh, but with this, hopefully you've gained some, some knowledge. Hopefully it spurred you on to say, you know what, maybe there's some areas I need to grow. You know what, recognizing that there is false teaching out there and just saying, you know what, I need to run that back through or that's not setting well with my spirit. I need to, to get back to the scriptures and look at that myself. So like I said, that hasn't changed. But yet, doing it with grace, growing in our faith, and becoming more and more like Christ each and every day. And don't forget, as Peter here reminds us, right? Don't forget, heaven awaits for those of us who believe in him. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that we have to have your word as a guide and a direction and, Lord, to help us in our walk with you. Lord, we're thankful that we can come together and that we can spur each other on, Lord, to love and to good deeds. Lord, continue to help us to grow in our faith, help us to grow in our walk with you, Lord, that our relationship come to that point of peace, and that we have peace with you in our relationship. 
Lord, I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning. And Lord, as we take some time out this morning to remember you. Lord, may that be a sweet time of fellowship as well, Lord, as we come around your table and that we recognize what you did for us on the cross so we can have any of this at all, Lord, that salvation that comes through you. And Lord, we just love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As mentioned this morning, we're doing communion this morning, and if I could have a couple of elders come up and assist in handing out the elements. And for you that are visiting with us today, we have an open communion table, and what that means is if you're a believer, you're welcome to the communion table um, here at Point Way. Uh, it's not a, a membership-only requirement or anything like that. It's an open table to all who believe, and so you're welcome to join us in that. Um, but we also take it very seriously here at Point Way, and so it comes with a warning, which the Scripture gives us that warning. And so the Scripture says, so that whoever eats and drinks of the bread of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. It says everyone should examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. What we like to do here at Point Way is we just take a few moments, we just bow our head, close our eyes, it's between you and God, and that you take a few moments to make sure that you are in right relationship and that you realize what this means for us as believers. And so we'll do that together. I'm going to ask Joe if he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread and what it represents that we're about to receive. Dear Jesus, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come together and remember what you did for us on, on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for laying down your life for us and then taking it back up again so we could have a, a hope of an eternal life with you. We ask that you uh, just uh, bless the cup and the bread, and uh, may us always be mindful of what our salvation cost. Thank you, Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen.
Scripture goes on to tell us, it says, For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and close us in song. And what we also like to do here is there's still cups remaining here in the communion table. And it's a reminder for us as believers that there are still yet people that have come to, haven't come to Christ yet. And so Again, I would encourage you to spur on you, to implore you to share your faith with others, right? So that we may have more here joining us in communion and what that represents. And so just leave that as a bit of an encouragement. There's still room at the table.